Hey there, and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur Podcast for Friday, September 25th. Coming up, we talk to the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association about asymptomatic testing beginning in Ontario pharmacies today. Also, we'll talk to Dr. Nadia Alam, past president, Ontario Medical Association, about this open letter from Ontario doctors asking the Ford government to reinstate restrictions. All of that coming up right now on the Jeff MacArthur Podcast. As mentioned today, the first day of COVID testing at neighborhood pharmacies right across the province. Premier, of course, announcing this program earlier in the week in an effort to ease the lineups at testing centers. And joining us now with a first day update is Sandra Hanna, CEO of the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association. She joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Sandra, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, first off, just uh, what have you heard? What's the uh, feedback so far on day one? Well, I think we're we're really excited to get this program ramped up. I think um, we've seen some really long wait times uh, in some key regions um, at some of the assessment centers and testing centers, and we're really happy to see pharmacies being able to contribute to a solution uh, that will make testing more accessible to Ontarians and that will hopefully make, um, you know, help to contribute to shorten some of those wait times. Yeah, can you describe the process for us a little bit? Uh, for example, do you need an appointment to go into your neighborhood pharmacy to get a COVID test? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you will have seen in the Premier's remarks, um, it's been now rolled out to just about 60 pharmacies uh, across three key regions uh, where the testing centres were uh, experiencing longer than usual wait time. So that's the regions of Toronto, Peel and Ottawa. Um, currently, the way that the, the program's working is, yes, we are recommending um, uh, appointments. Uh, so uh, for those pharmacies that are participating in the testing program, um, Ontarians are encouraged to call those pharmacies uh, to make an appointment for testing. Uh, typically, what happens is uh, when they call to make those appointments, there is a screening uh, mechanism that goes in or a screening process that takes place uh, to ensure that people are eligible for those tests. Um, you know, to ensure that, A, they're asymptomatic. So uh, symptomatic uh, Ontarians are not eligible for the pharmacy program. The pharmacy program is really focused on uh, targeting tested and testing initiative uh, based on some target um, populations that have been defined by the Ministry of Health in Ontario. So that's people who uh, work in long-term care facilities or who are visiting a long-term care home, um, folks who uh, reside or work in homeless shelters, um, as well as uh, international students, farm workers, uh, and those who require tests for travel clearance. Um, so there, there are some criteria that have been outlined by the Ministry of Health, and so pharmacies are going to be doing that screening to, A, ensure that uh, people are asymptomatic and that they also qualify for the pharmacy-based program based on that targeting uh, targeted uh, testing initiative. Yeah, and I think that's a really important message to get out because I'm uh, finding and hearing that there is some confusion. Have you heard the same, Sandra, when it comes to uh, who can go get tested in a pharmacy and who can't? Yeah, I think um, I think the the system needs uh, define sort of uh, how we react and how we try and support those needs, um, and uh, those needs are not static; they they change, and so. Um, you know, I think uh, it's it's important to um, be really clear on who's eligible for the pharmacy-based program. And again, um, you know, it, the way that it's designed is really to keep everybody safe, but still to be able to increase accessibility for those tests um, for people in their communities in a way that's convenient and close to home. Yeah, I mentioned keeping people safe. Are there other steps being taken to ensure that uh, shoppers who just want to go down to their corner uh, pharmacy, that uh, they're protected and that they're going to be okay? 
Absolutely. Uh, pharmacies have taken a lot of precautions since the beginning of this pandemic to uh, make the premises safe for for uh people coming into their local pharmacy to uh, receive pharmacy services. So you'll notice probably, um, you know, physical barriers that have been put up, um, certain uh, sort of traffic flow within the pharmacies. Uh, pharmacies have invested in, in uh, personal protective equipment um, and, and other measures that uh, ensure physical distancing, lots of sanitization guidelines and measures have been put in place in the pharmacies to keep people safe and to keep the premises clean and disinfected as well. Uh, so all of those are still in place and then some additional ones to ensure, um, you know, when an appointment is made and somebody does come in for testing, um, you know, the premises are, are, are sanitized and cleaned before and after. Uh, people are asked to uh, continue to follow all the public health guidelines, wearing masks, you know, frequent hand washing, physical distancing when they do come into the pharmacy. And that's also really why, um, you know, we're really stressing sort of an appointment-based model so that um, we can have the opportunity to, to pre-screen people before coming into the pharmacy um, to, to sort of, uh, you know, assess their level of risk. And, and if they are symptomatic or if they are um you know, known to have higher risk or, or assessed to have higher risk factors, they would be sent to the um, the non-pharmacy assessment centers that are that are in place today. You mentioned there's roughly 60 centers, uh, neighborhood pharmacies that are offering COVID uh, testing. Do we know how many tests overall can be done by all of these pharmacies per day? And will it truly ease, do you think, the burden on these testing centers? I mean, we really hope so. Uh, the idea is to really be able to uh, help to ease the burden, uh, those lineups, the wait times, um, you know, and, and bring testing centers sort of closer to home in, in people's communities um, in those regions where, where there is a strain on the system. So, so we think that, uh, you know, it, it, what we're seeing so far, and we've, we've had some experience with this program in Alberta, we're seeing that uh, on average up to 50 50 tests per day can be conducted in pharmacies. So as we expand the number of pharmacies that can participate, we do think that that burden can, um, you know, we, we can help to ease that burden. And the uh, Premier just announced in his uh, remarks that we carried here on Global News Radio that 18 more pharmacies, uh, predominantly it sounds like in southwestern Ontario, will be added to the list uh, next week. Do you know, is the long-term plan uh, eventually, because it looks like COVID is here with us, unfortunately, uh, for a while, as uh, we know researchers are uh, working around the clock on a vaccine, Sandra. Uh, do we know whether or not uh, long-term we're hoping that uh, the majority, if not every pharmacy, neighborhood pharmacy in the province will uh, offer COVID testing? Yeah, so, I mean, I think as the trajectory of the, the pandemic continues to change, we're going to continue to adapt our approach to testing. So, um, you know, as as we, you know, we're, we're doing sort of a slow and controlled rollout to ensure that, um, you know, we, we can also manage the capacity at labs because we don't want to overwhelm the lab capacity as well by by offering too many tests more 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 than what the labs can manage so i think we're, we're working very closely with the government to ensure that um we we have that that appropriate balancing act of um you know accessibility but also uh, maintaining that turnaround time and not overwhelming the lab so um it's, it's a constant um balancing act and we're i think the the objective is really to be able to continue to increase access in a controlled manner um it, it will always be an opt-in model by pharmacies because, um, you know, it, it will be pharmacies that um, have the premises and have the resources and that the capacity to, um, to, to provide that testing um, in, in a safe and effective manner and, and in regions that need it.
So uh, I, I think we'll continue to see more pharmacies offering um, the testing, as you said, and as, as Premier, Ford, Premier Ford alluded to. Um, but will it be every single pharmacy? I think time will tell. All right. Sandra, really appreciate the update this afternoon. Have a safe and enjoyable weekend. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Sandra Hanna is the CEO of the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association. Okay, uh, big news coming from Ontario doctors. In an open letter, the province's doctors are asking the Ford government to reinstate restrictions that we saw earlier in the pandemic. Here's our good friend, Dr. Nadia Alam. She is the past president of the Ontario Medical Association and joins us now here on Global News Radio. Dr. Alam, nice to have you on. Nice to be on, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, We just heard from the Premier last hour that uh, restaurants and bars will have new limited hours. They'll only be able to serve alcohol up until 11, and they must be closed by midnight. Now, Ontario doctors, as I just mentioned, were calling for a bit of a uh, rollback. They wanted uh, restrictions reinstated. Uh, Is that exactly what is needed, or do you think maybe that's just a good first step? I think it's a good first step. We have to have a fluid plan for dealing with the second wave of the pandemic. And we know that numbers are going up. Is this the second wave? I I don't know, but we do know the numbers are going up. Our seven-day average is now over 400, and it has been for the last couple of weeks. We have a lot of our kids are going back to school. Um, A lot of our, our neighbors and family are trying to work through this part of the pandemic to keep them safe. We have to get these community numbers under control as best as we can. And that means we may have to sacrifice some of the more social aspects of our lives, right? Um, It may mean that we have to not just do social distancing and wearing our masks and doing amazing hand hygiene and, and, and all of that, but it also means making sure that bars and, and restaurants and, and all of that, those activities, those indoor activities are restricted to some degree. We want to try and avoid a lockdown. Okay, if that's just a a good first step is uh, limiting the hours of operation for restaurants and bars, in this open letter, the province's uh, doctors, uh, what else uh, would they like to see? What should we see in order to try to, uh, once again, flatten or plank the curve? I think we want to have a fluid plan so that people know um, what to expect as time goes on. As the numbers change, right, depending on the changes, what will the province do? When, at what point would they consider closing the borders again? At what point would they consider restricting travel between provinces again? At what point would they consider going to a full lockdown? At what point would they just consider maybe restricting our social bubbles some more? Having that kind of information, having a province that, or provincial leaders that have thought this out, mapped it out, and then communicated it to people will actually make a big difference in calming the nerves, even if, even if they change their minds, right? We, we all understand that a pandemic, I mean, COVID-19 is still a very new disease entity. We're learning more about it every month. Even now, we're still learning more about it. But knowing that there's a plan there, even if it's going to be changed depending on circumstances, but at least knowing that something's there, a plan has been written down, you can start planning your life around it, 
is, is a really good way of calming down fear and anxiety. And, and fear and anxiety are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that and uh, mental health, I wanted to ask you about that because you're absolutely right. We're learning more and more about the virus with every passing week and month. But we have also, in the last five or six months, learned a lot about uh, COVID-19. And some of these businesses are are really hurting, obviously, these restaurants and uh, bars. And there's also a mental health component, I think, doctor. People need routine. They need to be able to uh, go to work. So how do we strike or or find the balance, do you think? It's going to be a challenge. It's important, I think, to realize that um, there are supports out there. There's a certain level of stress that we're all going to feel, a certain level of stress and fatigue and frustration that we're all going to feel because of the pandemic. I think we need to communicate more about the danger symptoms because there are people who are getting depressed. There are people who are getting or having panic attacks on a regular basis now. There are people who are um, breaking down, right, getting into frank burnout, because of all of the stress, the combination of stresses, it's not just the pandemic, it's losing their job, it's at risk of losing their home, it's not being feeling safe in school, it's all of that, right? Combined can feel overwhelming. We need, as a province, to make sure that people realize there are some resources available. There are resources available through the province, like Bounce Back Ontario, there are resources available through your family doctor, um, it's important to reach out for help for sure because yeah. this is a tough time without a doubt without a doubt let me ask you though if we're looking and in this open letter provinces uh, some of the provinces doctors are asking to reinstate restrictions should we also be reassessing uh, back to school and having our kids in school do you think i think having our kids in school it's a tricky question there are some places that have done it really well by incorporating smaller class sizes distancing between the desks, um, cohorting uh, students, um, and methods like that to keep their numbers low. The biggest thing that we see for keeping um, infection rates down in school, because there will be some, keeping infection rates down in school is by keeping the community safe. And that means testing everybody, keeping very close, uh, close track of people who are who test positive and all of their contacts limiting that um limiting exposure to them and tracking down exposure to them continuing to maintain social distancing i would actually like i I think about it and i would actually prefer limiting um non-work related travel before i would consider closing schools down Okay, but do you see, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that see there's a bit of an inherent contradiction here, keeping the schools open, and uh, it's okay because uh, the students are properly distant. Well, there's some bars and restaurant owners would say, listen, we're doing the same thing inside our establishments. Uh, We've cut down the number of uh, diners in in half. Those tables are all properly distanced as well. So why are our hours being restricted and limited, yet we've got this going on on the other side of the equation? I think that the province has, so part of the thing that we've learned about COVID um, that I've heard from many pediatricians, many infectious disease specialists, is that the rates of transmission are lower among students than in adults. A lot of the transmission still occurs in, um, in high school age students and above. 
and, and fully into young adulthood and onto middle ages and to seniors. Um, and that's why I think doing more of a targeted response, right, that targets the highest risk group, the highest at risk in terms of transmission group, makes sense to me. I want to ask you uh, it's as not well a about popular opinion. I, <laughs> I do understand that it's not a popular opinion. Well, and we understand why uh, the province's uh, doctors uh, wrote this uh, open letter because they are concerned about uh, hospitals and uh, overcrowding as the uh, COVID case uh, load uh, continues to uh, escalate. Do you have a sense uh, where we're at when it comes to uh, hospitals in, in COVID right now? Are they starting to really kind of feel it? Uh, are they starting to get a little overwhelmed? Um, we aren't overwhelmed by people who are sick with COVID. What we're overwhelmed with are people who are sick with everything else. There are a number of hospitals that are already at 100% capacity. And that's what worries us, right? Is if a hospital, if it's acute care beds, I'm not even talking about ICU beds. I'm just talking about the regular hospital bed where a patient who may be sick with a heart attack or who's going, who's, had, who's fallen and broken their hip or um, who has a really bad COPD exacerbation or who's done surgery and they need a post-surgical recovery bed. So those kind of beds, a lot of the hospitals are already full with patients who are sick. Um, it's, uh, it's worrisome. It's worrisome because as the number of COVID cases rise, eventually what we're also gonna see are people who are really sick with COVID um, and they'll need hospital beds too. But if our hospital beds are already filled with other non-COVID patients, where are we going to put the COVID patients? Right? This is this is a challenge. Just this uh, past hour, the province announced uh, some $280 million to help ease the uh, backlog for health services, uh, allow for more uh, cancer, cardiac uh, procedures, also extend hours for diagnostic tests. Just uh, how far is that going to go and how important is that? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? My phone cut out for a second. Oh, no worries. Yeah, uh, just uh, announced in the last hour by the province was uh, $280 million to help ease the backlog for health service, such as uh, cancer and cardiac uh, procedures. Just wondering uh, how far that money is going to go and just how vital that is right now. So the Ontario Medical Association recently put out a statement that I actually agree with. It's um, they They said they advocated for splitting hospitals, recognizing that we are already behind by about 200,000 procedures. And even though physicians, even physicians like me, are continuing to work on uh, over the weekend and, and all of that, um, in, in spite of that, we haven't made as much of a dent into that backlog as we'd like. And so what the Ontario Medical Association has asked for is... Um, to have hospitals that are specifically designated as COVID hospitals so that if someone is sick with COVID, they'll be sent there. In the meantime, other non-COVID hospitals will continue to do work, will continue to do surgery, will continue to um, try and continue to chip away at that backlog so we don't get further behind. Yeah, do you know as the ultimate say in that, if that's the recommendation of the Ontario Medical Association, is it the Minister of Health that has to make that final determination if we're going to go that route and which hospitals eventually will be COVID hospitals and which ones will continue to do procedures? Yes, it will be the Ministry of Health. 
It'll be Public Health Ontario working with them. It'll be the Government of Ontario working and supporting the Minister of Health um, as they try and navigate the ins and outs of this. We have seen this in other jurisdictions. We have seen this done around the world with a fair degree of success. And so it is something to consider. Otherwise, if every hospital is going to admit patients who are sick with COVID, um, it'll mean that we'll have to shut down a portion of our surgical programs or our procedural programs to, to make room for them. And obviously, as we've uh, talked about here the last couple of minutes, the uh, backlog uh, from the first wave is uh, still enormous. Dr. Alam, got to leave it there. Thank you for your time, as always. Have a uh, safe and enjoyable weekend. You too. Thank you very much, Jeff. All right, appreciate it. Dr. Nadia Alam is the past president of the Ontario Medical Association. All right, that does it for us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Just a reminder, you can listen to the show live weekdays from 1 till 3 Eastern at 640toronto.com. Find us on Spotify. Just search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or of course, download us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.